I think we have to play the intro. Hold on. Once upon a time, way back when there were only 9,000 Arsenal podcasts, six young men from various backgrounds. A young basketball prodigy with more trophies in the last 20 years than Totten and Hotspur. An Irish kid with a horrible haircut. A young Jewish nerd who hadn't discovered food yet. A child from Hemel Hempstead who didn't want to be English no more. A handsome young man who learned to play football on the hard streets of Disney World. And a young Mexican AC Milan fan. Hatched a plan to take over the world of Arsenal podcasts. But then these boys became men. Jared. Ewan. Magic. Aston. Andy. And Miguel. And the rest, my friends, is history. And now, all these years later, you tune in every so often to hear their incredible takes, their football knowledge, and their sensual advice. But now, it's gone too far. You, our fans, are at long last witness to season... Seven. 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 Welcome to the Gooners Pod. <coughs> Hello welcome to the Gooners Pod. Uh, second pod of the day for three of us. Mikey, how are you? I am doing fantastic. Huge, huge win for Arsenal today. Second beat, beating beating Leon's first team, I think we could say, with uh, with some amazing shit going on. Uh, I got uh, I, I'm about to double the number of houses I own tomorrow, and uh, and it's a beautiful. What is it right now? Probably about 20, 23 degrees for those of us uh, in uh, in the UK. So, what could there be to be upset about, other than no Arsenal real football? Yeah, um, I, I suppose like injuries, you know, um, that, that that keep occurring at the World Cup. But leave it uh, to you to find something to be upset about. Let's just put it that way. Well, you asked what we could be upset about. Um, yeah, you know, let's go around the horn. Let's say hi to everyone. Aston, long time, uh, first time. How are you? No, we've been on one other pod together, I think, for like twenty minutes. But yeah, like three uh, three of us were together watching the game, like pals in a pod today, and one of us was me. Wow. Um, I wonder you how were, that you were made aware of the meeting. <laughs> Listen, I, I'm not trying to say that there seems to, one of the, uh, one of these things is not like the other. I'm you just trying chose, to say you chose to not watch with the crew. And there uh, was a moment where you had reacted and responded in our WhatsApp group where I think Jared said, "Oh, he's on his way," and then you never showed up. Listen, I mean, um, we're not gonna. I'm not gonna not say that there, that it was better without you, but, but <laughs> not not saying it was better not, without yeah. you. I'm getting confused with all these double negatives. Listen, they're getting too confused with all of these houses that you have. By the way, when do you close? Is it this week or? Uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow. Nice. Tomorrow, a lot of things close. The house, my anus, everything is closing tomorrow. Guys, we're at four minutes in and he's already mentioning his anus. 
Uh, it usually, it's usually the first five minutes. Speaking of anuses, let's say hey to Danny in the chat group. Uh, Jared, how are you, my man? It's been a while. Nice to be back in the the podcasting chair, chatting with you guys again today. You're done. You're done helping people for a while. Yeah, for the foreseeable future. So I'll be around quite a bit more. Hopefully, now you're helping, now together. You're helping gooners with your wit and your and your handsomeness. And as the shortest member of the world's tallest podcast, yeah, uh, <laughs> with, I would have never pegged that. But Jared's the only guy that has has refused to meet me yet. He's our uh, Lionel Messi. Yeah, I mean, he's the Lionel Messi. He's short, but he packs a hell of a lot in a in a small package. Yeah. How did Biggie uh, want you? You survived Florida, Jared. Like, how did that? How did that go for you? Because I mean, it's. It, did you? Was there an alligator encounter? At least one. Not for me, thankfully. <laughs> it was. Uh, it was a wild time. Yeah, I was down in uh, Fort Myers area from about the first of October until the first of December. So saw a lot of uh, pretty pretty crazy stuff there. Feel bad for the people down there, but yeah, it was a good trip overall. I was there for work, and now back home and. Nothing better for a young marriage than, you know, <laughs> hey, I'm leaving for two months. I mean, I waited until I've been married for like 23 years before I started living part-time in London. Yeah. In the time I was there, um, one of my coworkers said, oh, you see, you've been married for six months right now. How's it going? I said, well, I've been gone for four of it. So, you know, pretty, pretty good. Sounds like a great deal for her, though, to be, clear, to be honest with you. Yeah, she doesn't complain much about it. So maybe that says a lot more about me than it does her. Yeah. <laughs> uh... Mike, we've got an after. We've got like maybe a week, to a week and a half until we uh, all get to see each other. Yeah, till our powers unite. It's weird, right? It, can Florida not handle four TGPers at a time? Because like one goes and then one comes in like well, immediately. Florida can handle a heck of a lot. I mean, Florida is the Jenna Jameson of states, and and uh, it can it can take a lot of different people. It could take a lot of different things at one time, but uh, I don't know. We got we got a lot of you know a lot of TGP get-togethers. We got we got the, the three of us. Well, we got to do the the lead the lead mm. Dixon thing. Hold on, Aston, you're up. And uh, yeah, we got the three of us in Florida. Then we got what two three of us? The other three of us: Jared, Owen, and me in London in uh, in January. It's going to be a festival. Of, of Gooners, and and we still won't podcast. Speaking of getting the gang back together, Arsenal's been playing recently. Did you guys watch that? Oh yeah, you did without me. <laughs> I'm going to screenshot where we all discussed as a group how we would watch the game together. Yeah, and, so... and you you ghosted us if that's possible. <laughs> I mean, just... did we did we watch it? Did we watch it with each other because we're friends, or did we watch it with each other because we're cheap and we only wanted to chip in <laughs> and have one person like so that's so you mean Mike paid again. Basically, so w- w- long story short, yeah, we I kind of thought like, hey, we should all just watch offline together which we did which was fun hey, is it better um, is it better when five people all jump on one legal paid for stream or when one person five times watches something illegally and and steals from the club i mean which is better i, I think we to the latter because i'd never be involved in something like that yeah that's well I, yeah. yeah neither would i but but we i, I we put our uh, by the way thank you all for none of you yet reimbursing me for for paying for the stream but uh you know 
I love maybe, being maybe involved in a little things. Before I see Owen's uh, money that he owes me from last year. I, just, I think I I'm maxed out on how much I can Venmo you in a month. Yeah, I also remember when I bought a house, large purchases need to be put on, uh, you know, so we don't want to mess up the bank accounts too much. Wait, 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 so, wait, 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 wait. Can we, are we all just going to skip over the fact that we got Jared giving Mike a lot of money under the table? Like, no, what's going on here? Mike's like, got what, very what soft services hands. are you paying for it? He had to pay that money before his anus was closed. And it's for Spurs tickets as well. He's a, he's a, he's a closet Spurs fan. <laughs> Now that now that Mike is slim and fit, his fees have gone up. Oh, <laughs> oh man! It's, it, I am a big fan of supply and demand, and uh, it's an open market situation right now. So you know, the fees are, as they say, what the market will bear. So speaking of bearing, you went from watching <laughs> the stream with us to you said, "Hey, I'm going to go poolside with Steph." What did you wear down there? Were you in a man thong? Were you rocking, you know, a two-piece? Like, well, I was told that the Hyatt Regency was a nude beach pool area. <laughs> For who? I was told that, but the but then I was told by a five-year-old that it was not. <laughs> so please explain to me sometime what that is, and 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 leave. Uh, yeah, just your, your typical fat guy bathing suit with the webbing in the middle that kind of gets stuck in the in the uh, crevices and the and, and the gooch uh, and and no shirt. And so I I bared my 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 belly scars for the first time in public. Uh, did you go in the pool? Did you go pool bound? Did you go hot tub? No, it's it's all about the pool. It's all about the pool. And uh, yeah, it was nice for an hour. Then I came back up and. Uh, and paid the bills. Uh, speaking bill. of pools, yesterday Mike texted us all a photo of his new swimming pool, and it just said, "Hey, poor people, do you have pools in your backyard?" <laughs> <laughs> no, it was it was. Hey, why is Mike hers in my backyard with a wheelbarrow? <laughs> <laughs> that and now I know why he never pods with us anymore. We're canceled. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> So uh, yeah, Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. Because start with today, or we want to start with Gabby Jesus. No, let, we'll we'll go with today into going into Jesus because I think that today will color because it, it happened now and we haven't had a lot of Arsenal stuff to happen. We've we've got more players to talk about and then we could get to Jesus. So you guys watched the game, right? So what? What I, I watched it too. What do you guys think of the game? Three 0 Wait, who'd you watch it with? Oh, myself. Oh. I was in the car. I, I was streaming it off my phone. Um, yeah, I thought the first 45 minutes was pretty pretty good. You know, we kind of discussed that Leon didn't really bring a terrible side. And obviously, we played the best players we had available to us. And I thought we looked pretty good. Um, I was mentioning to the guys that my dad's in Dubai and went to the match. And he just texted me after continuing you know, a good season. So it was overall pretty good. I was kind of uh, intrigued by the penalties at the end. That was kind of fun to watch. Yeah, that's a weird rule, right? So how it works is, um, what is it? Two points for a victory, three points for a victory, and then you get another point if you uh, do the penalty shootout. Yeah, I think so. Victory, two for a draw for some Fakakta reason, and then one for the shootout. So we're, I mean, we're, we got four. Right out of the gate, man. I mean, come on now. You can't top that. 
when we land, to we'll another... get to sing champions of uh, champions of the Middle East. You'll never sing that. We we are halfway through what could be if we if we close this out on Tuesday, we're halfway through what could be a sextuple this year because we got Florida, we got the Florida Cup, we got the Baltimore Cup. I mean, losing to Brighton really fucked up what could have been a really good thing because um, you know now we can't win every trophy that's on offer, but. You know what? Who, whose noise is that? It's not my noise. I'm outside. Yeah, I don't know. Well, Ever, who and, is it? Oh, it's Aston's guilty. Yeah, I don't hear anything now. So I was yeah, muted Aston, when it was going. Aston is guilty. Yeah. Now, why would He's, you think that just automatically without? Because when he muted his microphone, the coming. noise stopped. <laughs> Jared knows how how ridiculous I am. At least I'm predictable. As soon as that sentence got started, I was like, <laughs> well, get it back on deck. Here we go. And, you today. Um, Mike, okay, I got to ask, how many microphones do you own? And did the bell make its way down to the new house? Okay. The bell, just like things that get bad. Yeah, yeah, we don't hear any background noise now, Aston, because you're muted. So, um. The bell gets goes with Mike everywhere he goes, and um, I still have just the two: the rock band and the and the shore microphone. Um, what's Stephanie doing during this time uh, that you watched a game for two hours and now you're potting with us for another hour? Hour? I was promised two. Uh, she's probably enjoying herself actually for for a rare for 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 the only part of the day. I kind of still hear that noise, even though Aston's like, okay, you motherfuckers. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe it's me because there's people gallivanting in the pool, but um... just, hey, <laughs> look over the deck and yell, shut the hell up. I'm podcasting with my friends. Do you know who I am? <laughs> Do you understand what this is? And then throw down some signed head photos of yourself. <laughs> So, um, so yes, Arsenal played very well. To, I, I actually expected to see a little more disorganization, a little less possession. Just, you know, I expected to see a team that looked a little bit rusty. And, you know, this isn't an 11 that are accustomed to playing together. And when we switch up too much of the, of the starting 11, normally we see just a huge drop off in play. And we didn't see that today. I mean, you can, you know, again, it's only a friendly. Had we lost two or three nil, I wouldn't have been overly concerned about it. So with us winning three nil plus a shootout, uh, I don't really get too, too excited about it. Other than it just makes me feel like the chemistry is still there. The baseline is still there. And when our top players, all but one of them, hopefully at this point, uh, start to come back and integrate back into the squad, we can pick up right where we left off. And I was a little bit worried about that. I'd agree. And I mean, I, I like that we have sort of a defined style of play that when players come in off the bench and kind of fill in, you still see them play well. And like we talked about this watching it live. I don't watch a lot of French football, so I don't know how close to their best 11 it was. But we saw Lacazette. We saw one of the Dembele's. Uh, we saw Hussein Awar. So they had, you know, a, a good number of quality players out there. And it was a dominant first half by Arsenal. As far as the second half, I mean, it's mostly all youngsters i don't really put a lot of stock into what we were doing but i am a little surprised we made it this far into talking about the game 
the shootout's been mentioned more than once, and no one's talked about how unbelievably atrocious it was. I tweeted right after, I think it set football back 50 years. We saw two just botched panenkas within what, 90 seconds of each other, like laughably so. Somebody said a good reason to get rid of that for next year. Somebody's Aston is coming to the realization that it was his his noise, but the uh, somebody said in the uh, on Twitter that it looked like a shootout of pe- containing people who were protesting having to have a shootout. <laughs> they this it was literally like like I guess if there's ever a time to try and fail with a panenka, it's a shootout that isn't even the result of a game having been drawn that doesn't really determine whether you proceed in a meaningless tournament. Uh, I mean, I mean if that's you the time that next to try to... that, but but how I've always wondered with Panenka's what it would look like, like in a major situation, if the if the if the keeper just stood there and caught it like like it was a game of catch, and well, I got to see it not once but twice. Yeah, we found out it looks pretty comical, and and if you played the replay of those next to the uh, clip of you and Andy doing pens against one and one another, people might not know who the professional footballers were. It was that level of. The only, the only difference is that w- that when the guys made the penalties, they weren't doing the worm on the ground. Well, and that, and the, that and the guys on the field today are actually physically in shape and not two porpoise whales running around on the... <laughs> now, wearing, uh, wearing just like regular trainers. Yeah, now in six months, Mike's going to look like one of those players out there. Um, so, you know, we, we, hey, we've all got to get in shape, guys. We can't have Mike being the fittest one. Well, you got we, a we have a fitness, a quasi fitness expert who may join us on the pod here in a little bit. Yeah, did anyone see his text to send him the link? Oh no, no, I did not see that. Speaking of the penalties, though, like, can we talk about the last penalty that they took? I mean, specifically, the whole thing was fucking awful, right? Like, yeah. the whole thing was bad. I mean, I thought it was bad when I watched Japan take penalties earlier this week, but, like, that this was atrocious. But the guy at the end, he managed to actually break physics and turn the soccer ball into a beach ball. Literally, I've never seen anything like it. Like, the, I, they invented the term, hitting it with your purse for that strike. Because I, I don't know if Hines will ever have to catch an easier penalty in his life. And that person is, like, paid tens of thousands of dollars a week. We talked at our, uh, on our private podcast about how the fact that, like, that, that Carl Hine, me, Andy, didn't matter. Would, could have dove, fallen down, gotten back up, had a cigarette, and then caught that ball. Now, let Um, me ask you this. Would you rather have a failed Penenka or like Japan where they actually tried to take penalties? They were just really shit at them. I'd I'd rather fail trying than than look like a a chump. Like, I mean, personally, when you Penenka and the guy just stands there, smiles and laughs at you and then catches it, I I, I don't know if there's anything more embarrassing in – in the world uh mike's got a fake account here a burner account um took it down because i didn't want to look at it crazy oh, i know robert own. harrison he, he you know he's got my back so yeah the penalty shootout kind of stole the show was there another game today in that cup that we like or... oh i didn't I don't, does anybody care 
No, I'm just curious if uh, if there was. I don't know. Well, if there was, we would have heard about it because the other game includes AC Milan, and that's Mike Kurz's favorite team. Right. I, I think that it bears mentioning, though, like when we're talking about um, the game that happened today, there are two things that I think that were super interesting to highlight. Right. Um, we all talked about how it very much just looked Arsenal. But what was very different was that midfield. That was a completely changed midfield bar Odegaard. Right. We had Vieira on the right. We had El Nini in the middle. We had Sambi Lakonga finally freed up on that eight in that eight position. And I, I have to give it to them against the midfield of Kakure, Awar. Remember we were in for Awar? Does everybody mm-hmm. remember that? Where is he now? He's getting schooled by Sandy Lakonga. Like, yeah, 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 exactly. He's at Lyon getting schooled by Sambi Lakonga today in, in today's game, right? Like and, and and that's and I think sometimes there's a little bit of there's a little bit of credit that needs to go into the bag of our players. Sometimes we do get a little hyper focused on our starting eleven. I understand that sentiment from the Arsenal fans, but you know, there's a reason why Arteta and Edu have persisted with the players that they've persisted with to play these bit parts because they've come in and shown us yet again that they can do a job. And even when we literally changed the entire team, that, by the way, both teams changed their entire 11s. We saw all 22 players today. Um, And we have the kids come on. The kids didn't look bothered either. So, I mean, that's just really exciting to come back to, you know? Yeah, I I would say for me, the biggest takeaway was post-match. The fact that Arteta was asked questions regarding injuries and Ben White was not yet still not bought up unless I miss something it's making me really nervous uh because you know without speculating anything serious happening to him like if it was something personal in his life I think they would just be like hey he's taking time away for family the fact that there's nothing being mentioned is like making me worry did you see the Instagram post from um I forget who it was from now. Rob but Holding, and that was yeah, last that, week, right? Like the yeah. kind of prayer like type of thing, and it's just I don't know, man. It's so obviously well, someone there suggested are... in another group that it could potentially be like a miscarriage with his with his fiance, which would and that's be terrible. And that's intensely personal. And oh, that's totally, intensely totally. That, that, yeah, that totally makes sense. It's just you know, there's so many things, and unfortunately. And, and you're going to laugh at me for bringing this up, but unfortunately, there's a lot of speculation about what those things could possibly be, and it's just not helping the situation any. A lot of public speculation. Well, I think that it's also Ben White's character. Ben White, out of all of our players, is the number one I-don't-give-a-fuck player. Like, he does not care about being a celebrity. He does not care about being a footballer. He does not care about informing us why he's doing what he's doing or, like, out of our entire 11, Ben White's going to be the one that doesn't give you any information. He just doesn't care. He, does, he doesn't look at himself that way. And it's pretty obvious, by the way, when you um, check out his interviews, the way he interviews, the way that he – When you hung out with him, when the cameras went off, what was he like? <laughs> well, you see, it's funny. As soon as the cameras go off and ever, nobody's around, he leaves. He puts on, he puts on a, uh, a hoodie and he just goes out the door. And, he, and nobody knows where he goes for about like 10 hours out of the day. That's the scoop on Ben White. You happy? <laughs> Sounds pretty dubious to me, but um, no, no, no. But seriously, but, but you, he, does anybody else get that feeling from Ben that he's just not interested in 
and and putting what he his business out there. Yeah. He seems like that type of guy. What no, I'm interested I just like what I was going to go back to is again. I just feel fear that it is the worst case scenario of actually something wrong with him. Um, <laughs> And not like, because if, you know, let's say it wasn't, I hope it, this isn't the case, the miscarriage, at least Arsenal can turn around and be like, hey, Ben's got personal things in his life. He'll be back when he's back. The fact that they're not letting us know anything. And again, it could just be all a privacy thing. But that to me was the biggest takeaway from the, pre- the, the, the match was like nothing was even mentioned. I, unless they were told before, like, and Mike, we've been in there, right? Like you're told, hey, you do not touch this conversation. But it's strange. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, it, I think this club put out a tweet that said, you know, our 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 hearts or our thoughts are with Ben, and just kind of left it at that. So, you know, it, it lends it to being obviously something not football related. So there's really no reason for them to expand upon that, nor does he probably want to. And I don't we, really we have a problem surely, with that. We are surely the only podcast that would turn around and be like. We have to respect the dude's privacy and not speculate, but let's speculate and put out theories about why Ben White is missing. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we have we have to get to the bottom of things. Otherwise, we're not, you know, we're not gonna, I mean, we're not gonna get to to sixteen viewers without without talking about what's wrong with Ben White. <laughs> Those sixteen viewers aren't just gonna create themselves. But, but honestly, uh, we, can, we can, can, you, can you? Like, look, we all love the dryness that he approaches the media with, and and um, I'm sure all Arsenal fans do. But I'm not sure how he comes across to neutral fans because I know, for example, my brother, who's a Liverpool fan, thinks he's a bit of a tit the way he goes on in interviews. But honestly, the way I look at it, it's why why would he approach the media with any kindness or you know um, enthusiasm after literally the first time he touched a ball for Arsenal he was scrutinised immediately price tags thrown at him you know constantly being beat down by the media once again I just think that maybe he's given what he's got yeah I agree and I think at the end of the day too like I I, I at the end of the day, we say that we were speculating. Is there something wrong with them? Is it something in his family? Is it maybe a third, even crazier option that we may be unaware of? We don't know. But as Arsenal fans, we all hope that he uh, wish him the best. And for once in our in our like Arsenal history, even though I do think that he has been absolutely pivotal uh, pivotal in the transformation of Arsenal this season. I, I, I cannot give him enough flowers, but I do think that we'll be okay. Um, I, he's one of the spots where I think that we can actually hang out for a minute or two with Tomiyasu taking over, and it won't impact the Arsenal too, too much. So for yeah, him, I just Tomiyasu stays healthy. Oh, yeah, that's actually – Tommy Asu may not be back for a while. Well, Cedric will come in, right? Uh, yeah, that's the that's the worry. <laughs> <laughs> or we could, run, we could recall Bellerin from his sale, which is which is a thing. <laughs> we still have we still own the rights to Mainsley uh, to Maitland Niles as well. So, you know, I think we're we're stocked at the right back position, but uh, anybody specifically uh, impress you today? Like, like I got a name in mind, and and it was more than just about the one moment of brilliance. But uh, Fabio Vieira, you know, getting a little bit of low pressure play today, um, in in not a huge game, and I think getting getting his sea legs underneath him a little bit was was helpful. I, I I still think there's big things to come from that guy. I'm not willing to give up on him based on a handful of games early in the season. 
I thought Vieira was great, and he tends to. We know we know he's got that in his locker. He scored a few goals for us like that already outside the box, and like you said, I think the longer he's here, the more he gets kind of accustomed to the role that's expected of him. He's just going to keep improving, and he's going to be a good piece for the next few years, I hope. And you know, the latter half of this year, we may need him a little bit more depending on injuries, but he, he's one that I'm not uncomfortable seeing come into the starting eleven. Likewise with another one of our goal scorers today up front, Eddie and Kedia. He's uh, getting a lot of flack for, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure why right now, you know, he's not Jesus, but that's why. The, yeah. It, but the reality is we're what 14 games in Jesus has four or five goals. So he's not blowing the doors off with goal scoring. The rest of the teams kind of come up in that area this year. Our midfields already scored probably five times as many goals as they scored all of last season. So it's not a giant goal scoring thing he has to fill in. And it's I'm not the rest of the things that he's, done. he's not the same technical quality in close quarters as Jesus is. That's certainly one area of Jesus's game that stands out. He's so good at dribbling one or two guys inside the box. Eddie doesn't have that, but I think he is a little bit better in terms of being a poacher and that's what he does. And that's what he does well. And I don't care if he gets garbage win. poachers goals or scores 30 yard screamers when we're trying to make a title run, I'll take any goal we can get any way we can get it. And he tends to find a way to score goals when he's in the game. Do you not, are you not concerned? You sort of mentioned there yourself, um, Jared, the, 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 op, the, op, uh, the opping of the output from the likes of Granit Xhaka and even Thomas Partey, Gabriel Martinelli, Saka, all these players who have that opturns in, in their output. But that's what I'm concerned about. That I don't think that that's coincidental that you know the season that Gabriel Jesus arrives, that so many players are starting to see upturn in the amount of goals and assists they're getting. Yeah, I yeah, think I he does something special away from the ball. We see a lot of goals created off of him driving the play into the box and then the distribution or a pass off. We see a lot of goals from Martinelli that way. Um he's going to be a huge miss because he's also pulling defenders. You can't just leave him solo. You're pulling defensive midfielders. There are players marking him, creating space and channels for other players. Um, I would be very surprised if we don't dip into the transfer market. I really don't. I mean, we are in the best position for champions league we've ever, we've been in the last 15 years and, you know, we, need to go into that city match with a game in hand. I mean, shit, if we win that, you're eight points clear at the top. Like they they're I bet they're gonna dip in. They have to. And I'm sorry, but like I don't know, know that they're gonna dip the in people, at the nine though. I do. And that, for all the people who think like, well Eddie and Kenny uh, we, we we gave him a new co- fuck that. Fuck that whole like he needs competition. We there there needs to be someone there. Now you know they say a three month injury. If he had knee surgery and it's a quick turnaround, maybe he'll be back in six weeks. You know, and but who knows? But we gotta we gotta do something. It's, well, it's gonna be nine months. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's nine months. Well, I, I think that here for, there, here's a couple of things I do want to say about Jesus because I do think that the goal scoring part. I think everybody kind of is always trying to quantify. There's something extra happening happening with Jesus. It's not the goal scoring. There's something else that's going on. And some of the stuff I want to highlight is he had. He's like one of the top five strikers in the world for shot creating actions. He's like one. He's like I think one, the, one of the top two strikers in the world for touches inside 
outside the opponent's penalty area. He's uh, what is it? The top the top striker in the world for interceptions. He's like one of five, top fives for tackles. One. I mean, these are the things that when we're saying it can Eddie and Kedia replace him it's not his goals that we're worried about it's all of those things it's his ability to win the ball and uh, win the ball all over the pitch and then hold on to the ball and especially hold on to the ball under pressure now i am i'm a huge backer of eddie i don't actually think i don't have any problem with eddie walking into the team and and taking his place but what i will say is that in a middle ground between you guys is i'll say i didn't expect gabriel jesus to play Play every single game from now for the next two months, three months. I thought I thought that we would see a lot of the two of them together. Now you know you have to you have to have soccer and Aketi, or uh, Martinelli out in order to do that. So it's not or or a, or a complete change in formation. So understand why we haven't. But when we did see them together in the summertime, again against different level competition, um, they looked fantastic. And and what I do think even without the ability to play, it's not like he's not going to be around the team at all. I think that we're about to find out how much Gabby Jesus being around has had an impact on, on Eddie Niketia. The The brief times we've seen Eddie this season, he hasn't been particularly sparkling, um, but there are chops and changes and he hasn't gotten into a rhythm like he got into last summer when he was playing for, you know, for a contract or, or for his next team at the time. Um, and, so, you know, I, I think that we'll see a different Eddie Niketia than we've seen in his previous runouts uh, of, a, of a couple games here, a couple games there. And, uh, and we might see some different elements to his game that are Jesus-esque, but maybe not to the level of Jesus. But, I mean, Jesus is going to be an assistant coach, uh, striker coach for Eddie Niketia. He's just that kind of a leader even if he can't get on the pitch. Doesn't everybody feel, though, that even, like, forget the whole talk about Eddie being good enough, that we're just short a forward anyway? Like, like that we, that, that even if Gabriel Jesus was fit, we were probably looking for a wide forward. Now, now we're just looking for a forward that can probably play striker as well. That's why I don't really think, I, I don't understand why this is such a controversy talking about that maybe we need another forward in the January window. Is, am, am, I, am I the odd man? No, out I here? think you're, Is that because you got death threats from Tom Canton yesterday? I, I, I think you're, no, I think you're spot on the last one. Like, we are short there and, and and you know we could put martinelli up top if we needed we know that's not an ideal position for him i think he's way more dangerous cutting in from the left and but yeah i i think that regardless of the the injury like we have always feared this and i and, and they had to have had a plan in place now similar to last january are we going to go to the transfer market and dip in a shit ton of money i don't know i think last january they probably knew there was a chance for them grabbing jesus so maybe that's why they didn't make a move when they did because they you know obviously the relationships um i could see them going in and grabbing maybe not a player that wows us but maybe like a tommy asu type player who is to us perceived as like a squad player and he can come in and have a really big impact you know um fuck at this like moment, I would, guy man, man, Mike, we need to know that what, what are we spending come on you did yeah, the, you I, did I wish the there was like a show, a show coming out that would talk about the playing staff and the ability to spend and stuff, uh, you know, as a part two in the next couple of days. I, if there is, let God, me know about it. so boring to watch. Yeah. It's Incredibly dry. Incredibly yeah, dry. Very dry. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I, I the, the other element of this is we know that the Pep Guardiola and Mikel Arteta style is not to, I mean, up until a generational talent, Erling Holland becomes available or, or Olivier Giroud. Um, <laughs> let it go. If you're going to get number nines like that, then you have to adjust your system to them. But other than that, they don't want to play with a guy that's, you know, a target man. Sergio or Kun Aguero was, 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 you know, the uh, Jesus type of player more than he was to me, a, a, uh, a Jekko type of player, uh, you know, and, and they, yeah, so I brought, so I, I committed, you know, sacrilege by even bringing up the fact that, you know, playing with a false nine didn't exactly work out for us the last time we tried it. But then when you look at the players that were on the pitch that day, Jaka playing left back, our center backs were holding and. Oh, here we go. Sorry. And, and, you know, our right back was Cedric, I think. I mean, the, the entire team was dysfunctional and, and, and not playing well together. So, with a team like we have now, if we go the the uh, the football equivalent of small ball in basketball, is that really that awful of an alternative? So you could play Niketia, but if he's not performing, I mean, can, are we ready to play with a false nine, or is are people just never going to accept that that's okay? Get, get get away get away from FM manager Mike. I, I swear to God, you're drunk. FM, I swear the to God, God, you're drunk. I played football manager was 1993 <laughs> when it was on a, when it was like a DOS that, program. Now, Mike, that's a lie because we played it on the flight from San Jose you to LA. It on, you played it. You played it. You were over dictating what I did, telling me the fan, finances were messed up, and then you audited my game. <laughs> and, then I, and then I told you that, the, like, I asked you if the stadium could start selling bagels with locks on them. Like, What's a lock? <laughs> no, listen, I think uh, look, regarding the whole Eddie and Caddy thing, that was a bit of a statement to think in the summer for Mikhail Arteta to publicly come out and say that he wanted to keep Eddie around the club. Um, as well as that, Eddie has openly come out and, you know, kind of criticized the club for a lack of chances, a lack of opportunities. And he had one of them towards the tail end of last season, and it was relatively successful, I would say. I think yeah. sometimes people go overboard as to the impact that he had, but he was, it was relatively successful, I think. But what I will say is that I think at this point now in his career, this is make or break time for Eddie. I think myself, the way the club have operated over this past couple of years, I doubt to see them you know, panic buying a striker that doesn't fit the mould or anything like that. I think they'll try to sort the problem internally while maybe acquiring someone like a Mudrick uh, as you know a long-term target that they see um fitting into the project long term but yeah uh, it's just I, I think that now that Mikel Arteta is a sentimental kind of guy he, he likes we've seen that with the Ethan Maneri debut you know there's those moments mean something to him and I think that when when this opportunity arises, that he'll be pulling Eddie and Caddy aside and saying, look, this is your chance. Now it's time to go and show everybody what you can do. And to be honest, I think this could be a make or break time for Eddie. I would agree. And I think what works in Eddie's favor here is it wasn't, you know, the middle of the season when we've got midweek games, Jesus goes down and we're kind of in a panic trying to fit him in or get him up to speed or with the first team. The fact that it happened during the World Cup you know, we're away in Dubai right now training. We're playing games. He's got a lot of time to sort of integrate, get a feel for those guys who are going to be playing around him. I know we're 
it's unfortunate for him that there's no Saka and Martinelli there in terms of getting, you know, kind of up to speed with those guys. But he is familiar with the system. He has Martin Odegaard behind him. And he's just going to get more time, more time on the pitch to get a little bit into game shape, if you want to call it that. And come Boxing Day, I expect him to be ready to go and put in a good performance at a high energy level. It would you know, be a so lot of guys fan base for us to spend four weeks wringing our hands and vomiting over this situation and then have Nakedia come out and win the golden boot. Like, like that's or not the out of the question of happening. I'm, I'm, I'm not coming here. To yes, say it is. Yeah. No, right now, Mike, right now, I'm saying on this show, if, if Eddie Nakedia wins the golden boot, I will get him tattooed on my ass live on this show. He passes Holland by Valentine's Day for sure. Like, like, like in in the in the year that Erling Holland is in the league, he said Eddie and Keddy is going to win the Golden Boot. Well, because My, Keddy is going to take his Golden Boot and and clean it on Erling Holland's face when they play each other in January, and then uh... right. Look here, here's something potentially a little too serious for this podcast. Um, so when when we're looking at the potential alternative. <laughs> Um, yeah, we'll talk about that off our uh, positive. Um, get yourself tested, Mike. Um, so, so, <laughs> no, so what, what I was going to say was <laughs> we're looking right at all these alternatives and stuff, but one player that we're sort of forgetting that's coming back is Emile Smith-Rowe. And whilst mm-hmm. they don't, and this might sound crazy, okay, this is just a, a tactical thought. If Eddie and Caddy is playing up front, whilst he doesn't have the ability maybe that Gabriel Jesus does to create, um, to play passes, to link up play and everything, is there a point that we that even though Gabriel Martinelli has been absolutely brilliant, that Emil Smith Rowe playing on the left hand side would give more creativity to play the ball into somebody like Eddie and Caddy rather than the driving force of Martinelli, you know, because Gabriel Jesus links so many, much play with Gabriel Martinelli and creates so much form. Uh, I don't think Eddie and Caddy is going to have the same effect with with Martinelli. So maybe giving him somebody more creative to to put balls on a plate for him is I rather like I rather liked when ESR would come in in the in the sixty or sixty fifth minute of games last year as kind of a super sub. I thought he did really well in that role. And you know, again with five with five subs with a, a compressed season. You don't want to burn Martinelli out completely anyway. So, I, th- I I mean, I think that it doesn't have to be either or. You can play 60-30, you know, 60 minutes with one, 30 for the other. And, you know, when you do have two games in a week, that becomes even more true. Well, we're, we're all saying this, but like I said, like just add another forward, like just add X player to this mix. And I think that we're all fine. Matter of fact, like I'm not, like I said, I'm not even pat- panicking over Eddie. I will say though, and I'm going to be transgressive here. I don't think ESR is a 10. Actually, when I look at his passing range, I don't think he's ever had it. I think that he creates chances by carrying the ball, which is why he's a perfect winger. But I do not think that, like, when you're talking about we need to add creativity, he's actually not a player that I think of when I think of, like, our overly creative, our, our chance creators, right? And I think this is also backed up a little bit in the data. He's he's a finisher. He gets on the end of chances. He makes something out of nothing. He's great. Matter of fact, he's a goal threat, which is why Mike is making the jokes about using him as false nine, but I it's actually think joke. he's... I think I mean, he's it really a, isn't a joke. I know it's not a joke. I know it's not a joke to you, Mike. I know it's not a joke to you, Mike. Okay. But but the, the rest of us are having a football conversation. Um, 
I'm sorry. How patronizing could you be? For the grown-ups in the room. But what I am trying to say, though, what I do want to point out is we're all talking about this from the perspective of, like, I'm not saying this because we necessarily, these players aren't good enough. What I'm saying is we're a big fucking club. And right now, in this January, we have a chance. We have a a what could be a generational challenge uh, talent in Mudrik begging to come to the team. Uh, Atletico Madrid just put out that they're willing to sell um, Jao Felix. Like we've got this is one of those times when it's like I'm not saying that any of our players aren't good enough. I'm saying let's add to the squad right now. And I think ultimately, if we want to have the output of a team that wins the Premier League, you have that many good players that are all fighting for a spot. And I think right now, with Jesus out especially, I think we're incredibly thin up front. Let me ask I think the, the problem with Joe Felix, Stan. though. Sorry, Owen, go ahead. I was mm. just going to say, Austin, talk to your buddy Stan. Yeah, well, I, I called up. I called up uh, Tim Lewis last night. And I was like, "Hey, man, the Bellingham thing? this is the Bellingham thing." No, I got. If you didn't notice, I got Gilberto Silva on it. Okay. Well, I don't you see know, Bellingham signing on the dotted line, but uh, well, you, guys, you, you guys are done, I want to circle back. Bad on when he goes to Liverpool, man, that that one's really gonna hurt me because he is nah, a. Like, yeah. He's actually really good. Like, Did I mean, all that. Did you guys see that video of him uh, and Jordan Henderson in the hotel lobby? So there's like a like someone a Qatari uh, person is talking to him, a Qatarian. Is that, a, is that his title? I don't know what's called. Anyway, a guitarist. A Qatarian was talking to him, like begging him to go to Real Madrid, and then Jordan Henderson like pump pipes in like he's gonna come to Liverpool. And then the, the kid turns to Jordan Henderson was basically like, no, 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 we don't want you at Madrid. And it goes back to Jude Bellingham, just totally <laughs> roasts Henderson. Which is fucking amazing. Um, no, the, I mean, the thing I'll say club, about right? Felix is like, if you look at a Jao Felix type of player, not only is his transfer fee going to be astronomical and he's got all the talent for a 20, what, 23-year-old, I can't see Arteta as the sentimental manager saying to Jesus, hey, we're going to spend $80 million to bring in a player that will compete with you. I think the reason Jesus left City was because he needed to be number one, top dog. You're on, the, you're on the sheet if you're healthy. And I don't see us dipping into the market. If I were, if I were Arteta, I would be dipping into the market, and this is going to sound ridiculous and you guys are going to laugh, I would be dipping in for a Giroud-type player, someone that can come oh into God. the squad – Listen, somebody who can come into the squad old enough in age where you're not like nervous about him, like, hey, he's going to disrupt. He brings something a lot different to the 11 when everyone is healthy. He's just a, and I'm not saying him as a player, I'm saying a t- his type of player. So if you go no, into there a are match, no, there is no Giroud well, type of player. Just, it's, a, it's just, just get me another super sexy French guy. Just <laughs> tall, can head the ball, brings a different dynamic of play when you sub him on. When you sub him on, the opposing coach has to scream to the center backs like, hey, we've got plan B now. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's the type of player if I were going to bring in someone in January would be someone who brings a different dynamic to the to the team that's not really in that Jesus mold of like a Jao Felix. I, I cannot believe you just said you would take Giroud over Jao Felix. I think I'm living in an alternate. Didn't say that. Didn't right say now. that. I said Giroud. I didn't said, say that. He said, I would go for a Giroud-type player. If Arteta doesn't want competi- a competitive team that would take a generational talent like him, I don't know if he's the guy. 
Athens. Who are the, the Giroud type players besides Giroud? I mean, the oh, there's I meant like no, I meant like a big... tall, like a striker who brings a different dynamic to the A team, not like a like an Ivan Tony or something. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. exactly, yeah. Ax- yeah, exactly. That, now, that's hey, a, that's a good call because because Wayne yeah. isn't going to improve our team. That's that's where I'm at. I'm on the I'm on the Aston train that like if you have a, a have a checkbook, <laughs> you're going to Dortmund saying whatever you need is what we're going to bring Jude Bellingham to the club with that that's the the number one signing in my mind i disagree i i think that look back at the fucking guy's gonna want robbie Keane or some irish prick yeah (laughs) (laughs) jesus (laughs) find out who the number nine for shamrock rovers is i would make a a nationality joke against you but i don't know what the fuck you are you're a much (laughs) hey how is ireland doing in the world cup yeah when do they play Stupid competition. We refuse to go because we've got ethics. Oh, oh that's that's you're still, you're still protesting Thierry Henry's handball. I see. <laughs> anyway, listen, listen I can't say that the U.S. has ethics. Okay. Oh, definitely not. No. Um. Uh, there's a few nations around the world would beg to differ. Um. <laughs> anyway, yeah. What I was going to say is is that the mistakes that we've made over the years are only being rectified now. Over, you know however many transfer windows and transfers that a lot of people were sort of apprehensive about when the news broke about them the likes of Aaron Ramsdale and Ben White these types of players I don't think that we're at the position yet where we need need to go and splash you know 60 plus million on one individual player I think those the city model where they're going in their ban good players for 50 million it means that if it doesn't work out it's not detrimental to the finances and, and future investments uh, in the market and I think that I think that if you for example you bring in a player for 50 million two seasons it's not working out you're still going to get 20 25 30 million for it in today's market so the impact isn't just as big so for me we're not at the stage yet where we go for players like Bellingham I think we're at the stage where we go for players like Mudrick I think that's the type of people we're shopping for at the minute yeah and and and, and uh 50 million players when, you know, Kyle Walker, uh, John Stones, when they paid 50 million for players and it seemed like a bit of overkill, that's when those types of players were going for 30, 35. They, they've now got into the 90, you know, 80, 90, 100 million with Grealish and Holland, you know, because, because of just player inflation. But, um, you know, so 50 million pounds doesn't get what, get you what you, what it used to, but it's still kind of the range where I think Arsenal feel most comfortable I think Bellingham has an 81 million release clause, right? It, yeah, yeah, but it's gonna, he's going to go for the. I think the probably 115 to 120. Here's the thing, though, and I'm just going to be real: Are we champions or are we chumps? Because like Liverpool that year bought Virgil Van Dyke for 80 million and won the league. Like, they didn't do that though until they had sold Coutinho, and they didn't buy Allison until they had sold. <laughs> Uh, Suarez, I, I got the two reversed. I'm, listen, I'm listening to Money Man, but didn't Money Man tell me we had money this year? We do, but and 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 we can. The question is whether whether we want to to, to... only if it's the right player, though. There, well, there it has to be the specifically good player, and that part I, I, do I would agree. agree with. And I think I think they can look around and see a lot of eighty or ninety to hundred million pound buys in the Premier League over the last four years that have absolutely not panned out. Yeah, and, and that was something I was just going to touch on as well, is that well, look, I think that Jude Bellingham is an absolutely fantastic footballer, and I think he's presented himself very, very well at the World Cup. But one sort of caveat that I will 
make to that is that we look at all these players, you know, the Bund- in the Bundesliga and, and, and even to a certain extent international football because it's a different type of game. You know, the, the speed and the intensity of it is just completely different to the Premier League. And when I look at Jude Bellingham, I'm 50-50 whether he could potentially be another Jaden Sancho. You know, we'll look at these players who are absolutely brilliant um, abroad and then come to the Premier League and just don't cut it. You know, Timo Werner is another one. The, the classic example of the player that I remember screaming for Arsenal to go and get was Radamel Falcao when he went to United. And look how he panned out. You know, the transition just isn't as straightforward. As there are more he... 80, 90 million failures than there are successes in the Premier League. It's oh, absolutely. Right, but yeah, you don't want to be copying and saying, saying that about, like, Holland. Like, because remember, everybody said Holland wasn't going to transfer. Jared, it'll be good to hear from you. <laughs> no, I was, I was going to say, I kind of agree with one of Owen's points and disagree with the other. I'm, I'm much more on the team of his of we don't need to sign, you know, 75, 80, 90 million pound players when we've had a lot of success signing maybe players that people weren't as high on that were 50 million and under that have turned out to be good, you know, because I trust the, the scouting group that we have right now. The exception, <clears throat> this is where he and I disagree, would be Jude Bellingham. For me, He's not going to come to Arsenal. You're not doing your due diligence. If day one of the transfer window, you're not making that call and saying, hey, what would it take? Now, the odds he's going to want to come here, I think, are pretty close to zero. I think it's going to be Liverpool, Real Madrid, somewhere like that. But you've got to put that call in. And that would be one of the only players that come to mind that would be available that I would say we should kind of break from our pretty consistent transfer strategy and offer 80, 90, 100 million. It'll be north of 100 million to get him, I'm sure. But for me, he's the one exception that I would I would go for in that uh, just because I think he is that good. And, you know, we sign him to a five-year deal and he'll be, what, 25, 26 years old? You can sell him at that point for probably well, that, at that point in time, 200 million. That's the thing. Unless he completely craters as a footballer altogether, you, there is going to be some residual value. It's just that, you know, you're going to have to wait years to get it or – in the meantime, you've had incredible footballing successes. So, um, what I want to—the thing is, though—is that you don't need to wait to to get it because what he's going to bring to whatever team he moves to is going like we are looking at. Well, you're not buying him to sell him. I'm just no, saying no, no. I know that, but like we out. are looking at the next. I think I said this to my friend. He will be the greatest English player. In the history, you think he's like, if he continues Lampard. on the trajectory he's on now, doesn't get hurt, continues on the and I and like I, I I would almost because of the position he plays, I think you're almost looking at like a Zidane type of player who's going to go down in the folklore of the game because he plays in just that weird position where he's not going to be a, a Messi or a Ronaldo who's going to bang in 50 goals a season. He's going to be that guy who creates 50 assists, right? And just has, yeah, it's going to be in, yeah. Can I, can I ask a question just off the top? Just something that popped into my head there. So when you look at players that have moved from massive money at any real stage, can you think of a player who has moved to the Premier League for huge money and has been sold for a higher fee than they were bought for? Uh, yeah, you like the ten most expensive transfers of all time into the Premier League, probably I, seven I out of the ten you'd say were a massive mistake. Well, I can, I, I mean, yeah, that and the second part of that is you know, and then been sold for a higher fee. I yeah, mean, yeah. no, because I mean, 
you peak at the Premier League. Like that that's your peak. If you if you're leaving the Premier League, you're leaving for less money. But it's, but when you say you peak, when you think of the Barcelonas and the Real Madrids and the PSGs and who do they sell for a lot of money? We talk we talk we talk about them being the financial powerhouses of football at times. Yet I can't think of somebody who has moved to the Premier League for plus fifty million and then been sold for for a higher price. So, um, yeah, no, there. I, I one that comes to mind that that it, and it's not in that 50, 70, 80 million range, but Ferran Torres City made a nice profit on, um, <laughs> and and he didn't necessarily hit the ground running in the Premier League or have the opportunity to, but. I mean, he didn't. He didn't come for seventy and leave for ninety. I think he might have come for thirty and left for fifty or something like that. But um, I want to. The teams in the Premier League don't need to sell on. I mean, if you look at the transfer market window every year, like the Premier League is spending almost double what all other leagues are spending. And so I I agree with Aston, like not to blow the smoke up the Premier League, but that's like the pinnacle for a lot of players. So they come, they they play their best years, and then they get sold on. Um, You know, Pogba comes to mind. That was just ridiculous. Like what he came to Manchester United for the first time and then got sold for, and then they brought him back for like the same. It was just, that was ridiculous. But like, that's the one player I can think was purchased for a lot of money and then got sold for a stupid amount at such a young age. I want to find out what you guys, what you brilliant football minds uh, know about Mudrik. Okay. Cause, cause mm. I, just as a quick, as a quick devil's advocate, I have been watching the, they have like a, a version of, uh, you know, NFL Sunday ticket. They have like a, a, a Europa and champions league version called the Galazzo show on, on Paramount. And, you know, unless Arsenal's playing, that's how I consume my European football. They just go around game by game and show, uh, you know, either goals or, or, or almost goals type of game. And I've seen Mudrick's exploits in the Champions League this year. Um, and most of those involve just absolutely just screaming down the left side with the ball and either putting in a good shot or a cross or something like that. It doesn't seem like the sample size of his of his work is that significant to 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 feel comfortable with a sixty or seventy or eighty million pound price tag on him. He seems like he could be a generational talent, and you want to buy him before he proves that he is. But like, are we putting are we blowing too much smoke up this guy's ass, or is he really the real deal? And how would we know? So I'll jump on that one first, and we can go around the horn on it because I think we'll have some pretty varying opinions on it. Oh, I mean, and, and add to that, would you feel safer if he was available just buying Leandro Trossard for $55 million instead? Uh, the, the big difference there is the age of Trossard versus Mudrik and what we're typically going for. As far as Mudrik, and I, I'll say up front, there's, he's not the footballer in the world that I know the most about. I've seen some of them play, and uh, have, you know, followed a little bit. Who is the and... footballer that you know them? Like, is there one? Like, mm, I don't know. Probably none. Is it Owen? Yeah. Owen, the non-overlapping fullback, Owen Young. <laughs> a reverse overlapping fullback. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the reverse overlap. So, for, uh, for Owen's Mudrick, the guy on the pitch where when the winger passes him on his own team, he goes, "What the fuck was that?" Because the guy's running. <laughs> Hey, much like you, he's led his team to a semifinal, so give the man some credit. Hey, hey, was there only four teams in that league, too? 
<laughs> so anyway, I, I, I'm gonna jump off before um, this continue. Uh, I've got to go to work. So, I'll all right, buddy. Later. Jared, continue your your, your good point. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I'll go quick. I know Aston follows Mudrick pretty closely, and I'll probably have a different opinion than mine. Um, I, I like him. I don't love him. If he if we can get him, I look at him from the little bit I've seen, and I say, to me, it's a 35 to 40 million pound player. If we get him for 40, I'd happily take him. The talk of 60 or, or more than that, I just haven't seen enough, nor do I want to pay that premium from a player from the league he's playing in. I, I think that always raises a question. So for me, it, as it is with every transfer, it's about the price. I'm looking about 40. I would be happy to take him because I think he is very talented. But when you talk 60-plus, he's just not the way I would want to allocate those funds. Yeah, I think that um, as far as Mudrick, because I haven't – I didn't watch him before this, um, before we were linked with him. Since we were linked with him, I've actually – obviously, there's the YouTube highlights. But I've gone and I've actually rewatched um, his Champions League games just to kind of get a feel for what he, what he is exactly. And actually – I don't disagree with you whatsoever. I actually think that uh, 40 to 50, I I prefer Gakpo myself. Like I actually, but that being said, um, the the weaknesses that I see in Mudrik um, remind me a little bit of ESR, the the same kind of profile where he's incredibly, he's a lot bigger than you think. Like when you see him, he's actually a taller winger than you think. And then he's very powerful when he runs with the ball, very quick, um, very direct, it's like he, he's got that little bit of there's something about certain players where it's like ESR and him just like know how to sniff a goal out. You know what I mean? So he's got that about him. But as far as like his supporting numbers, he doesn't have really great passing numbers. He doesn't have really great. Um, he doesn't have really great um, tackles or pressures or interceptions to him. But those are things as a young player, you could probably teach him. I mean, if he's running it, it, it kind of like Martinelli when we first got him, who used to just run all over the place. And Arteta said, like, hey, come here, chill out a little bit. Let me show you how to harness that. And now Martinelli is one of the most effective pressers in the in world football. So there, I'm not saying that he can't do that. But I do think that um, when I look at him, I don't really see much of a creator. I see much more of another ESR. And honestly, I, as far as fi- his finishing goes, um, I, again, I, I, I personally prefer Gakpo. But because of this World Cup, and because of Gakpo's um, 34 goals and assists this season, yes, already, um, Gakpo might be exceeding like that $45 million offer that we might have been able to get him for in, back in the summer. He might be the 60 70 $80 million player. So for me, whichever one of those guys is cheaper, I would go and grab. Um, and, and obviously, if we're going for an $80 million, I would go uh, Felix. I, I, I think that it's really important important too. And this is the thing that um, all of these players have, but it's not the thing that we're talking about that we all need to be talking about, which is age profile. And that is why, by the way, when we talk about Bellingham, it's not about Bellingham. It's about there's like five midfielders in the world right now that are all coming up in this generation. And you want to have like one of the five, whether it be Bellingham, 
Tuchimini, uh, Kemi Vanga, Pedri. Like, there's about four or five of them, and if you can get them now, like, you're, you're set. Um, and it's the same thing here, where I think Mudrik, Gakpo, uh, Jao Felix are all, like, these winger attacker types that might be coming with the, up with this generation. We already have two. We got lucky with, well, possibly three if we want to, if, if ESR comes back strong after that injury. So uh, that's what it's really about, is finding players that will grow with this team whether they're 80 million or whether they're 40 million like arteta says i think we just need to make sure we find the player that best fits our profile first and worry about the price tag later what do you think the the wage profile is for these guys i mean we talk transfer fees but as i harp on and on about constantly transfer fees divided by the number of years of contract plus annual wages. That's what matters to the club. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, the, the profile of a Mudrick, I don't know why I think this, but I could, but I could see that guy signing a contract where he's on 80 grand a week, not less. Less. I think of the three Gakpo, Felix and Mudrick, he would be far and away the cheapest. I mean, and and, and that makes a difference. I mean, if you're paying a guy Mm -hmm. 60 grand a week and you got to pay the other guy 150 grand a week, you I'm know, pretty sure I, at sixty grand a week we actually doubled it. We double him. When I was looking into his contract, he looks like I, I it's like somewhere in the twenty to thirty range. You you can never like know because nobody actually ever knows, but you hear the sounds of it. So the the idea is that we would double his contract and put him at like sixty. Yeah, the and difference I think between that's sixty steal. and one hundred and sixty thousand in in, in uh, a week in wages is essentially over a five-year contract, the same as the difference of 25 million pounds in transfer fee. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so if you buy a player for, you know, for, for 45, but you got to pay him 160 a week versus buying a player for 60, for 70 that you can get away with paying 60 a week, you are literally adding the same dollar amount to your wage bill for the next five years. So, I mean, that's one reason why I could, I could warm up to a, uh, to a Mudrick type is, you know, while you might spend a lot of money in, you know, in transfer fees for him, you're most likely not going to pay a huge, huge wage. And his age is at the point where you can get some residual value if it doesn't work out in in, four, in, in three or four years. So, you know, they're big money transfers, but we got to get in the next five years. We're going to be selling some of our players as well for 20, 30, 40, 50 million. I hope they're not the ones that you know that that we talk about all the time. That I, I hope it's not ESR. I hope you know we're not in a position where we find ourselves needing to sell Saka or or uh, or Martinelli or or Partey or anything. But I mean, there will be some players that are sold that just don't get playing time and they want to play elsewhere. And and now that we've wiped out all of the horrific contracts, and the last one of these more than likely will be. Um, uh, I forget who it was that I said it was, it was going to be, but there's one more guy that we're probably going to let go on a free uh, next season. Pepe. And, Pepe. Uh, Pepe. Yeah, probably. Pepe or, or <laughs> even, you know, like like El Neni or somebody like that that we're left for a free. But after that, anybody that we're, that's no longer fitting into our plans, we should be getting a transfer fee for. And when you start churning like that, which this is the official sign of churn, uh, you're going to – you're going to start to be able to play in a bigger in a bigger pool of of transfer fee and wages. So, you know, Asin had mentioned before, like a group of players 
um, like Bellingham and some others that are kind of that next wave. Well, we've got one already at the club in Saka, right? And so yeah. when we look at our club and what the future holds, and there's a lot of young good players, like if we can tie up Saliba, you know, that's why, like, I hate to revert back to it, but like, as you said, do we want to be chumps or champs? Like, this is where you look at the squad and you go, what is that? that next player to fit this amazing puzzle and everything points back to Jude. Now, again, will he want to come here when he's going to have every club in the world looking at him? Um, I don't think it'll be 115 because I do think he has that release clause at 81, unless he turns around and says to Dortmund, like, Hey, I want to leave, but re-sign me. So we get rid of that release clause and then teams can come in at 115, which if tomorrow he is purchased by Real Madrid at 115, everyone's going to be like, that's a fucking bargain. Bellingham yeah. also need 300 grand a week wages though. I, I see, and I don't know because he's young, like he's not even 20 yet. So maybe he doesn't. I, I don't know. I, I think post COVID, I don't think the world is going to revert back to those crazy salaries at that young of an age. Now, 25, 26, maybe, but um, I do think, you know, maybe not January, but I do think, you know, the Cronkies have seen a lot of success with their sports teams and they will probably funnel some cash if it's available. Um, I don't know enough about this um, Modric, Modric, uh, you know, uh, I know he's an old Croatian guy. So, you know, if look at Modric, you know, I, I think the one thing that's been an, a big negative for Arsenal at this World Cup, aside from the injury to Jesus, is that Gakpo showed the world like, here's who I am because I do think there was a lot of buzz and a lot of journalists were saying like, he's the number one player on the list. And maybe that's still the case, but Holy shit. There are probably a lot of other teams that have turned their heads and been like, well, hold up a second. He's apparently going to United. Like that. It seems uh, I'm hearing that that's like almost a done deal. And that's just logic. I don't think there's any inside information involved in that, but like the, um, the, the the thing about Gakpo that's different than, than everybody that we talked about is that he can play he can start a game and finish a game in the nine and not miss a beat. He he regularly shifts from the wing to the nine mid game anyway in the substitution patterns that PSV has, and and he's equally as talented in the two. Whereas you know Martinelli can probably play both, but we don't really want to see him play the nine. I would not feel the same way about Gakpo. He I would way rather have Gakpo than, than Mudrick at this point, but it almost seems like Gakpo's kind of fallen through our grasp a little bit in that middle market that we like to like that, that we like to play in. And you know, this isn't a cheapness thing anymore. It's a like a shrewdness and an efficiency thing. It's a money ball thing and money ball can win championships as we've seen. Um but uh you know it's it's the I just Quick. think Gakpo's gotten a little too high profile for us to really be able to nail him down. And they're not going to sell him in January. Mudrick, I could see moving in January. Gakpo's not going anywhere till the summer. Uh, I think he, I think that um, United might get him in January. But quick question for everybody. One, I, I do want to say, I, I listen, as much as I love Jude Bellingham, I don't think that we're going to get him. I do need to say that before we get clipped at, like, to all hell. You know, I know I don't want us to be the, the remember. Remember, this is the podcast that said that Arsenal were getting Jude Bellingham. Like, yeah, we're, we're not that. But you know, my question. favorite part, my favorite part about Jude Bellingham is what, 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 what is it? The beginning of his name. Nah, 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 nah. Yeah, yeah. But um, question for everybody real quick. Jared got it. Jared got it. 
<laughs> that's that's even worse. Why are we always getting canceled? Um, but real quick question: will, will you be disappointed if we don't do anything in January? If if we come to January thirty first and we have not bought a single player, it turns out Gabriel Jesus is out for three months. And and but but besides that, everyone seems to be fit. Are you comfortable? Are you okay with the – are you disappointed? Do you see the club any differently? Are you okay? How are you feeling? Let, let's let's make that the first user question and, and, and merge it together with Daniel Roberts, um, who is feeling very chill right now, saying, do we actually need to sign anyone in January? He's personally convinced that our squad is good enough to win the league without. We are five points clear with this team. Um so, you know, the question is, how would you feel and do we need to? Jared, you want to go first? Yeah, so do we need to is questionable. I, I guess I wouldn't know until January 31st because I don't know how those games in between now and then have gone. I, I feel like it's a situation similar to last season where can we achieve what we want to achieve without it potentially? I think the answer is yes. Would making a move improve the likelihood of that? Probably also yes. Last season, I was okay with the with the no moves in January. The difference for me this year is that we're in a good position for Champions League, but we're talking about winning the Premier League title, not just making Champions League. And for me, where I was fine last year not making a move, this year, that's the difference maker. It, it's so incredibly difficult to win a Premier League title with as good as everyone is now. The, the level of competition just gets tougher and tougher every year. I think if you've got a season that you're looking – like you could possibly take home the title. You have to do everything you can to give yourself the best chance for that. So this window in January, for that reason alone, I'd be willing to sort of step outside of maybe what our transfer plans were and make an additional move if it was there to be made, if we thought it would maybe get us over that hump because beating City over 15 games is incredibly difficult. Beating them over 38 is nearly impossible. So anything we can do to sort of continue to bridge that talent gap, which I think in general, they still have over us, although we've been playing better. Uh, I think we need to take advantage of it and try and do to make the team as competitive as we can for the last few months. A lot of good questions coming in now. So if, if you've got more time, guys, I've, I've, I've got more time. Uh, Andy, what do you think about the, uh, the, uh, the question of do we need to sign anybody and how would you feel if we don't? It, it all comes through how we exit the World Cup and go through what's going to be a hectic December into January. I mean, there's going to be a lot of matches. You know, a lot of these guys at the World Cup are just returning straight to the team because, you know, while they are training every day and they're playing, they're also pseudo on vacation, right? There's a lot of downtime. They're in a beach climate. And, uh, you know, I follow, obviously follow the England camp, and a lot of the guys are just sitting around when they're not training, having a good time. So, um, I, I just think it depends on how we come out. Looking at what this team have done behind the scenes with last January and then the summer, I still think they're in the mode of like, yeah, great, we're five points ahead, but our goal is Champions League football. And maybe January 25th, if we're eight, ten points ahead, they change their tune a little bit, but I think they're still in that mode of top four, top four, and we build when we need to build. If a great player comes available for a good price, I could see them going for it. But I don't think that we're going to sign like a Gokpo or or someone else of that caliber in January. I just don't see it happening. Yeah, I think that um, it's pretty clear what the what the whole projections of this process were. Last year, top six. 
this year top four following year start challenging for titles as much as you can um and when we were in a position last year to you know i think in january we were sitting in fourth um and the club contemplated making big moves the the club were absolutely in for blavich early in the january transfer window until it was clear he did not want to come in which case they said we're not just going to buy someone else to buy someone else because they saw Vlaovic as being a player for the long run. And by the way, we haven't talked about Vlaovic and Juventus's issues, but that, but that, that, that's another story. But the, um, so, so they basically said, if we get what we're looking for, if we get what we would do in the summer in January, then we'll do it. If not, we won't because our goal is top six. We're, we're looking really good for that. And, you know, a lot of people got bent out of shape because, Ultimately, they feel as though the, <coughs> over, the sorry, sorry. the January window cost us top four. And, you know, we could have gotten 80 million extra in, in Europe money this year and accelerated everything. But they stayed the course and they didn't make any decisions that they would regret later on from, a, you know, buying somebody and then not and then having a, a bad contract saddle around their neck. This season, the goal is top four. That looks very, very good at this point. And as you as you said, there's there's this unexpected opportunity to have a title run that goes well well into into March April timeframe if we navigate these you know the next the, like the games that are four to eight games from now the next three aren't bad but after that it gets really really tough and um, you know I still think that they're going to be in a position where they say if it isn't someone that we were wanting to buy over the summer and that we are envisioning as being one of the specific people we want on this team for the next five years, we're not going to just go out and splash cash on somebody just because, Hey, we're without Jesus and we have a chance to win the league. And, you know, we're just going to bring numbers in. I mean, that it would have been insane to trigger Isaac's release clause last January. It was semi insane not to bring in Bruno Gamares, but, you know, if you bring in Bruno Gamares, there's a guy maybe that we don't bring in this summer or the summer after that. So, you know, there, there's a method to the madness a little bit. Um, and they, they're taking calculated risks. That said, I would like to see in addition this January. For some reason, I think players are going to be on the move more this January than they were last January. And, and there's just going to be more movement worldwide. And that may have something to do with the World Cup and the timing of it. Um, but, you know, I... I do think we we really ought to bring in some reinforcements and not just up top or on the wing, but you know we need another midfielder. Um, and depending on what's going on with Ben White, I, you know, I, yes, I'm comfortable with Tomiyasu deputizing for him. Uh, I was thrilled going into the season having Tomiyasu as the starter, uh, but you know he's proven to be a little bit too injury prone, and the drop off after he's out is tremendous. So. You know, if there is something long-term going on with Ben White and we're not able to use him uh, over the second half of this season very much or at all, I think you instantly have to start looking at, at you know, at depth in that position as well. Because Cedric, I mean, I would I would send Cedric out on loan. And by the way, it was Cedric that was going to leave on a free that I was talking about before because there's really nothing you can do with him other than maybe loan him out until the end of his contract. Um, so do we need to sign anyone in January? Not if our goal really is top four, but I think, I I think to win the league we're going to need to we're going to need to bring in reinforcements because there's going to be some real tired legs in the uh, second half of this season. 
And Aston, you didn't get a chance to answer your own question. So what do you think? Um, on this one, I think that I think that we sometimes get caught up on the the we see the small picture because it's right in front of us, and we're thinking like we're thinking Gabriel Jesus, and we're thinking you know uh, the next games, and I, I think there needs to be a larger picture. And 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 I, what I think we need to look at is we're not challenging for we may not win the league this year i don't do i think that this team is good enough to win the league without any additions the short answer to that question is no i do not think this team will win the league without any additions what i do think though is if we we can win the league this year if we do have additions and further i think that we need to be considering when are we going to challenge for the league? When are we actually going to go, go for the league? And that's why I'm looking at this January as a good time to make signings because we are in a unique opportune time to get some of these generational talents on a contract post world cup. A lot of teams will be trying to fill a lot of different holes. We don't know what's going on. There's just a, there's just a, like, like I'm telling you, I don't think if Joe, for example, Joe Felix, if it goes to January, he's gone. Gakpo, if that goes to the summer, there's no way. Mudrick, if he gets to the summer, I don't think we're, I don't think we we're going to be able to get our hands on him as easily unless we've, unless we've successfully come second. You know what I mean? Unless we've successfully really pushed Manchester City, I think that the other players, with all the money that they're going to be willing to spend, still will will be coming up against that. That's what I'm looking at when I look at this January as an opportunity to sneak in and grab what players can we go in and grab. And that's the only reason why, by the way, when I joke about Bellingham, the only way in the world we get Bellingham is if we sneak in before Liverpool, if we do something to do something before they're able to move or Real Madrid are able to move and we got to tap him up from the english i mean they're doing it, well, we do it. <laughs> yeah, you know and, what makes me curious is pull ian barcelona had, put an arsenal shirt over his face <laughs> yeah. well ian wright had said a, a, like made a comment a few months back um you know if arsenal continue on this trend and they get champions league football with that that project in front of them as well as the cash there are some really interesting names lined up I don't see him as the type of guy with all of his media that he just says shit like that to excite people. He probably hears things. So I am kind of curious like what that means because you're not going to say that for a Tommy Osu type player. And I hate to keep reverting back to him, but he's a relatively no-name individual that got shit on when he signed for us. And then everyone was like, well, hold on a sec. So I, I do think there's probably some exciting conversations happening and, you know, I think it is also really interesting that Adu does make some interesting phone calls and has some unique relationships. And we are kind of seeing this Portuguese, Brazilian type of uh, movement happening. And so, you know, I look at it and I'm like, Danilo, we hear his name quite a yeah. bit. He's in Brazil. He seems like a baller. He's good enough to play on that Brazilian national team quite often. So, you know, maybe we get him to come in and deputize, and that is the type of that, player I could see us going for in January. That's also where you're getting a lot of the Cunha kind of connections right. over uh, over with um, Atletico Madrid because he's Brazilian. Can we maybe make a look? And that's another thing that none of us have talked about is loan deals. I mean, if we're talking about just for the sake of this season, whether it will be top four or top of the league, you know, we could – 
grab a loan deal or two to maybe get us through. That's something that I think a lot of us were frustrated with last year that we didn't attempt to just like, you know, it's not that in that way, you're not displacing anybody for the long term. You, you know, you, you're not going to get any value out of it. That that's true. Like that's, you know, you know, after the summer comes along, you've just paid money for a player that's not yours. But at the same time, if that's enough to get you a league, if, if that's enough to get you a, a maybe, maybe, you know, we don't get GAC, we can't get GAC, but, um, but maybe there are some loan moves for some teams that are struggling. I know um, doesn't um, Fiorentina has a has a couple of really good midfielders that we might be able to grab or something like that. My thing is though at the at the end of the day, I just think that right now there's a lot of motion going around and it's like uh, it's like Pokemon, right? Like we have Saka, we have Martinelli, we have Saliba. ESR might enter into that realm very soon. We have Odegaard. We are collecting we these are our stars. These are the these are the best these are in this age bracket, the best players in those positions. If we can just figure out how to just get a few more of those, because Jaka, I think he's doing great. I am not crapping on Jaka whatsoever. It is just that he is going to be coming up at the end of his contract. And that's a position that's getting a little older. Same thing. Even we need to even start looking at maybe Partey on that end. He's 28, 29. And because of other reasons, injuries included, we may not be seeing him regularly. And we need to start considering Let's let's just go for it. Let's get the rest of the team youth out. We've started this project. Get every position, um, get every position talented and young, and see how far we can really push this team so that we can have that Liverpool team that that's good for the next three, four, five seasons where we're really competing. And maybe unlike Liverpool, because we're bigger fish, we can learn how to even stay in that realm forever you know and and that's the point is i want to see my club just at the top of the mountain again you know i i i I think and that's why i get a little frustrated sometimes when we talk about moves for Giroud. Yeah, well, look, that's a I'm not saying that he was the player I want. I said, I am saying that, though, and that's why. Well, no, I would think, dude, considering how he's playing right now, I would take him back considering his uses out. For him, a bitch 2.0, but without the bad attitude. I would take. Dude, we could I get him take, on a loan. I would do it. I would do it tomorrow if it was a loan. We could take but Luis Suarez. We could take Luis Suarez today for pennies, and he would be able to. <laughs> no, listen. He would be able to score goals for us, and that's all oh, we good need. Good idea today. I'm not and so bite sure people. That. He'll be able to bite people for yeah, us. That's fine. That's so, fine. So, so the uh, we, we got a couple more questions, and then we gotta we gotta head out. But uh, you know, if if all those guys that we've just talked about, Danilo, Mudrick, all of those guys end up making January transfers, and we just don't go in for any of them then something you know then you know that the that the club basically just decided we're not making any moves in january because mm-hmm. those are the right guys and if they move elsewhere then 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 we know but uh you know january is always a little bit funky so um dana robert asks if there should be a penalty shootout after every league game for an extra point and if so can we bring mainsley back uh we still own the man oh that sounds awful um wow we still have the man under contract. <laughs> um, Voluntary contract. Yes, yes, it is. Um, so, yes, the um, uh, I think we should. I think there should be a penalty shootout because you know it's just fun to be at. You know, the home and away thing. It, it should be something that they don't televise. It should be an extra bonus for coming to the games. 
but uh, but yeah, that's my answer. And then we're just we're just going to go around the horn with these rather than do a complete, you know, all of us answer it. So Andy, um, and there may be some overlap that we've already answered. Can we get second place with bringing in cover for Jesus or winger and Partey cover alone? Doesn't want first place. Wants second place. I, you know, honestly, what, and Mike, maybe you can answer me. I, what's the difference between second and fourth aside from, uh, is it a few million pounds? Five, like five, five or six million pounds in TV money. That's one so, round of Champions League, too. Yeah, I mean, it's but not, it's not even like it used to be where fourth you had to have a playoff to get into the Champions Right. League. So it's like, no, it's not. No, no I, and I, I get the whole bragging rights, but like honestly, it, it doesn't matter to me. Like Champions League is Champions League. Whether you're second, third, or fourth, the monetary value changes. Maybe where you go into the pot, but I think our coefficient would help with that. So I think we can finish top four without reinforcements. I think it could be a struggle. We also have to remember that the teams playing around us are kind of playing like shit. Long may that continue post-World Cup. Um, the one team I'm kind of looking at being like, fuck, they're maybe on track now is United since they're seemingly been like, hey, Ronaldo, go fuck yourself. Yeah, um, that was yeah. my biggest fear was that they were going to sort the Ronaldo thing out and get him out. And it looks like it's well, you know what, guys? I'm gonna say it because I'm on a roll today. Let's sign him up. Oh, Let's fuck sign no. him up. Fucking Christ! That... All right, who would you rather sign on a five-year deal, Giroud or Ronaldo? Giroud every day of the week. Are you kidding me? Five years? I'm talking six months. I know, but like, I'm I'm making I'm making uh, Aston have Giroud's negativity by by having him on a long-term contract. I would I would sign Giroud for five years to avoid Ronaldo for one. I don't care. I do not care. Not my club, bro. Don't you have standards, Aston? Come on, man. No. Plus, Giroud. I mean, if Giroud's not playing, he can always just stand there all pretty, you know? Yeah, yeah I mean, he, you know. He break, he, I, we, we, as podcasters, get the, 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 the shrapnel from his, <coughs> from his ladies. Um, all right. Aston, West Ham, Brighton, and Newcastle. From This is from Gary. Uh, are our next three games. Expected points. Raise your standards. There shouldn't be expected points anymore. We go into every game expecting to win now. That is the new thing. Now, I do understand the Newcastle game might be tricky. I don't want to disrespect them because they've been doing incredible. You have to give them a lot, a lot of credit this season. Nobody, nobody thought that this was going to be the year that Newcastle was going to break out and really put themselves forward, even though we know that it's coming because of the money. They'll finish six. They'll cool down a little bit. They're, they're a little too hot for, uh, for their quality. Yeah, Joe Linton's playing out of, his li- out of his mind right now. And um, Almiron, whew, what a player that guy. I think they're the team of all the players that we mentioned, like the Gokpos and the, the whatever that other guy's name is, Modric. Um, that that that's the team that makes me nervous when they look at those players and they're like, you know what, we'll pay eighty million for Gokpo because we have it. Um, this like summer, the they they start. This, this I summer think, is where they start doing the the, the Cunaguero purchases and that. Like they're following yeah. the Man City model with a bit different financial structure of the of FFP than than at Man City had, but they didn't I, start. I, with guilt with with worldies i mean they started with rubinho and 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 i mean gomez is the best is the best midfielder in the league in my opinion so yeah i i think seven out of the nine points would be a good uh and i would say like three west ham three brighton and then 
Newcastle, I could see a draw. Um, so I would say if we got out of that nine point stretch with seven, I'm in Aston's camp, the way that we're playing, if we come back fully healthy, bar Jesus, like no one else goes out hurt, it should be a nine pointer, but I would be very, very happy if you said to me tomorrow, I'm going to give you seven for nine. I would take that. I can guarantee you what we're not going to do is get eight points out of those three games. That much I can, I can, I can assure you. You want you want to you want to uh, weigh in on that, Jared? Since we did end up going around on that. No, I'm with Andy. I mean, well, I'm with both you guys. I think obviously we're going in with the idea that all three of those games are ones we could and should win. But I think if you can come away with seven of nine, we're still going to be sat top of the table and in you know a good position for the latter half. So I think that'll put us right about at the halfway point of the season. Here's a question from uh, from Tired Dinosaurus, who, considering how tired he is, he's he's very prolific with the questions. He or she, um, but uh, the uh, is that a the the illustration looks like Jacobs uh, looks like a poorly drawn Dinosaurus. <laughs> uh, Shout uh, out poorly drawn Arsenal. Go check his stuff out. Yeah, love that guy. Love his stuff. Love his work. Uh, don't love the fact that he hasn't had me on since the summer. Uh, <laughs> but uh, apart from Saka, Martinelli, Saliba, also Xhaka holding Suarez contracts and in 2024, would you extend any of them? And I cover this to an extent uh, with both opinion and and details in uh, in part two, which should be released soon of Magic Mike Shows You the Money. Um, Xhaka, I believe, has a one-year contract option that um, – Allows us to to keep him until the end of twenty five, and I don't question. See, question. I, I don't see a scenario where we don't trigger that unless it returns to the old bizarro Jaka that we had for the first four years. Question is when is El Nini's contract end? It ends at the end of this year, and and oh, okay. I think it's, I think he's on about forty seven to fifty grand right now. I think if we offered him, let's go again for one year, same rate. I think he'll do it. I'm not sure that we do that. Especially if we bring in Tielemans or if we bring in Danilo, and you know, if we if we bring in numbers in midfield, I'm not sure that they're going to want to continue to pay him three million a year. It's three million a year though, with no transfer fee, ultimate professional. You know, I mean, if there's a guy, an extra guy to carry around at that wage, I didn't agree with bringing Kazorla and Murdoch back for their final years at ninety and seventy respectively. We got one game out of the two of them combined. It happened to be the FA Cup final against Chelsea, but um, you know where where Murdasacker was immense. But you know, yeah, the El Nenny's uh, expires in twenty twenty three. That's why he didn't name them. This these are the next years. Saka Martinelli, uh, actually Martinelli is twenty five, two thousand twenty five. Uh, Saliba and Jaka holding Suarez. Would you extend any any of those other than Saka, Martinelli, and Saliba? I would I would extend El Nini just because he is a squad player, and I said it all the time. Like he's reliable. He can play in cup games. He doesn't complain when he's not playing. He seems like a great atmosphere locker room type of a player, and he can play of him as, as right, as and he can play two three positions. I mean. You know, fifty, sixty thousand pounds a week isn't a, you know, in the grand scheme of football, that's not a lot of money to play. So I would give him a year or two extension, um, because he just seems like he fits in really well. Um, I could also see him being that type of player that three or four years from now 
jumps into our academy system. I think his son's playing in our academy as a coach, you know? And so I would, as much as we can, I would hold some of these players because they are the core of, of our squad. Same as Rob holding doesn't take a lot of money. Doesn't complain when he's not playing, but can step up and be a role player if need be. So yeah, I would, I would resign all of them. Now nah, maybe not Saliba. We need more time to see if he's the real deal. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Any, uh, any? You know who I would sign to replace Saliba is Giroud. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that about about uh, Thomas Partey's replacement to be, to be Giroud. Um, any changes in that strategy from anybody? Feel strongly about it. I, I think he's spot on, and the, the whole time he was going through all the reasons he would keep El Nenny. All I was thinking was you could say the exact same thing for holding, which is kind of where Andy ended up too. It's tough to find a better fourth choice center half than him. Who's a fantastic team guy, not on huge wages is seems to be relatively okay with carrying that spot. And it puts us in a place where outside of maybe Liverpool, arguably, I don't think anybody's got four better center halves than we do. So he puts us in a good spot in the central defense. So I'd, I'd be happy to see him stay as well. I actually, uh, I, I disagree a little. I think that Walters coming up is actually a good shout. I would love to give another center back a a shot. We, oh, someone's gonna um, make a penalty joke here. Oh, no, you, no, 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 not a not a penalty joke. But no, I think no, no, I think that Walters is actually a really good shout for the um, for another spot coming up. I think that even though I think holding, I, I would love to keep him as an, a club ambassador because he has that perfect smile and that great American accent. But like, but outside outside of that, I actually. I see him a little less valuably than I see Jacques and El Nini, who I think are both doing their coaching badges. And that excites me. I would love to have Jacques and El Nini involved in, in coaching. So extend them until they retire into coaching or whatever. Or the, the only thing is, is you might be able to make some money off of Jacques, you know. Like Jaka might be able to go for twenty million, twenty five million, even. Like I, and, and the question is, do you take that? Like I couldn't wait to get rid of him. Now I'm scared to let go of him. <laughs> like, like, like it's it's absolutely bizarre. Um, Reese Nelson's in there as well, um, and you know, he kind of seems like he's not long for Arsenal. But you've got about two months now to decide whether to try to offer him a new contract, which is more just about preserving transfer value than anything else. You sign him to a new contract if he agrees to it anyway, because it probably takes away from his wage wherever he goes next on a free. But you sign him to a new contract and you know sell him for ten million or, uh, at the end of the season rather than nothing. You know that's you put a little bit of money in your pocket. But uh, I mean, do you see any future for him? I mean, we're talking about bringing Mudrick in. Reese Nelson has no future here. No, but as you saw, Reese had a, a good, you know, month prior to the World Cup, and so I agree with you. I would, if anything, I would put money into his contract. So if you do sell him in a few few months from now, you have that option. Um, put a five hundred thousand pound release clause on there. <laughs> well, but you're but you're you're reinvesting that into the money that you've invested into Reese Nelson, you know, and right. um, we also have to be careful with the homegrown aspect of things as well because we need to hold on to some of these young british players so i I would i would reinvest in him and again i don't think he's gonna require ridiculous wages probably 30 40 000 a week we've lost jared dude's just looking at 
you know, on his phone. Well, he said he wanted he, pizza. He, he said he wanted to be out like 15 minutes after we started the show. So um, actually communicating with someone in the chat. Look, we we don't uh, we we don't um, pod very often. So when we do, it's got to be three and a half hours. Um, <laughs> class show. We are a class show. Here's this a is just a class act. act. Do you know why Zinchenko is so injury prone? He had so many injuries the season before at Man City, and are you concerned? As a doctor, um, I can tell you, no, I have no idea why he's so injury prone, and it sucks because he seems like a nice, nice guy. Look, if he brings Mudrick here and like makes him feel welcome and gets him hitting the ground running, and it's all you know at a good price. You see that tweet that Mudrick essentially put out with his transfer value yeah. on it. As in, stop holding this thing up, Star, uh, and asking for seventy. I'm worth forty five or whatever. How do you guys feel about that? Because that's like the most like come and get me I think I've ever seen. Does that put you off a little bit? Make you think that like no. maybe something else is going on here? I think it for it's him saying like let me leave. You know, we've been we've been the 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 at the butt end of those kinds of things for years. You know, if someone's pushing for a move to Arsenal. Um, and it involves helping us negotiate against his current club. I'm all for that. It, it, you know, the worry is, will he do the same thing three years to now from us? But you know, we can't afford to to, to think that way. If if if, the, if we really think the guy is quality and he's and he's helping our negotiating side from within, so be it. Um, you know, but uh, I mean, anyone else have any? Aston, did you did you, when you talked to Zinchenko and the cameras went off? Did he explain to you why? When you talk to the team trainer, uh, did he explain why he's so injury prone? Uh, no, not not this time. Not this time. Zinchenko wasn't there yet. Remember, Zinchenko uh, well, didn't I get there. Until... I thought I thought he was in the box the night that you uh, were. He, in the box. he was in the he was in the box sitting in the front, and I didn't go out and talk to him. Actually, that's actually true. <laughs> he was there, but I I didn't actually talk to Zinchenko. Aston big league them. I didn't know who he was at the time. I was like, literally, I didn't recognize him at first. He's been with the club for a minute. Like, people are like, like oh, yeah, you've been with the club for a minute. And and he was actually with the club. Aston's like, that guy looks like he has weak ankles. I ain't going to talk to that shit. Yeah. I was, I was, I was with, 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 with floppy joints. Aston walked up to me and said, hey, you know Giroud? No? Fuck you. <laughs> no, I walked in there. And I was like, hey, Josh, Dan, can I borrow 20 mil? And they said, yeah, sure. And I walked out and that was it, you know. So, um, shots that night. Exclusive from Jeremy Cross. Does anyone know who he is? Jeremy Cross? Is yeah. he John's son? Well, Cuban, uh, or John, Miami John, just sent a, a tweet saying, Ben White returned home from the England camp due to a bust-up with assistant well, coach Steve Holland. Someone mentioned that in the chat earlier um, <clears throat> as well. Um, I saw that in the chat. It may have been Dan. I, I haven't heard anything about it, so I – would that really not be the absolute best possible outcome to this? Why event? would you? But why would you then tweet? We're all with you, Ben. Yeah, that's true. yeah. That seems like odd. true. That, that that makes no sense. Maybe they all hate of. Steve Holland. <laughs> yeah, even Rob yeah, Holding he's not in it. Enemy there. Praying for Steve Holland's death or something like. That. I mean, look, I, I, I'm not saying it. I'm just saying that, right, you know. Could you imagine the club puts out a statement? Uh, we regret to inform you today that Ben White has come back because of that devil Steve Holland or whatever. We regret to inform you that Ben White is no longer available to play for Steve Holland. Um, yeah, no, that, I, I I don't buy that. I, w- I would love for that to be the case. 
I think the last one we're going to do, because most of them are all kind of uh, about Bellingham and, and, and transfers and Eddie getting us goals, and we've kind of covered that. Real Madrid are buying young player uh, for 60 million euro, and we'll wait until summer 2024 for his arrival. Um, who is that? Hendrick. Hendrick. I think he's only 16 right now. Oh, oh that guy, yeah. How does any team, well, how, how does any team compete with that? Um, and you wonder why they're trying to create a European Super League. They keep doing this shit without the foundation to be able to do it. Um, you know, it, they, I don't know what they paid for Odegaard when Odegaard was 15. Exactly. I don't know what they paid for him. They probably made a profit uh, for, between age 15 and when they sold him to us for 32 million, but not the kind you would have expected. And they and they certainly didn't pay 60 million euro for him. Um, the, you know, we've seen it with Barcelona. Real Madrid's in a little bit better financial situation, but but not much. Their 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 house of cards, I think, is 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 due to come down pretty pretty hard pretty soon. Uh, I think all it's going to take for them is dropping out of the Champions League as well. Um, but you know, I, how does any team compete with that? It's hard, as long as players dreams are to play for Real Madrid, they're going to continue to do this because their sporting directors are in Spain are way more focused on making the, the fans happy with these unveilings and these presentations of, of massive players than the English premier league owners are. Uh, because the owners are not the ones making the decisions. The sporting directors are, and the sporting directors are elected, or the club presidents are elected, and they're they're literally just trying to appease their fan bases with these players. And uh, at some point, it's going to all come crashing down. I'll say something a little uncouth here, and it's it's you know I don't think anybody's the good guy here, but I want to point out we always often criticize Qatar for coming in and buying PSG, but Real Madrid were the original of that they are backed by Spain. Like it's that's why they've been able to do this. Their finances and the and their connection with the Spanish government. I, they, this is just what they do. But at the end of the day. Does that matter? Because football has got the right behaviors for a kid to grow their potential as a footballer have become more known so that you're no longer in a position where there is only one guy anymore, right? There's not like this. Even look at this generation. Look at how many different really top tier players we have coming through so young. So I don't even know if this is a good bet to make right now. Like why would you bet 60 million on a player? Like if he, if this kid doesn't turn into like the next Messi, like the greatest player of all time, I would ultimately say that's a waste. Like who does that? You know? Yeah. I mean, the, the... well, they do look at um, our captain. I mean, it's what they do. And, you know, honestly, they they don't care because they you know they'll recoup that money like you said from the government they'll always be rescued um and yeah so they are the team that do that does that yeah well and and, and it's you know it's just a skip step of what we normally see where you know teams step up and or players step up in class now they're basically you know his his first team won't be Feyenoord and then bought by a huge team it'll be Real Madrid B and then, you know, and if he doesn't work out, it'll be loan, 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 loan sale like with Odegaard. And, and you know, they had a good player there. They just weren't ready to give up on the people they had in front of them or they kept buying 
you know, more and more players to, to, to take over for them. So um, I think that's a good place to stop. Just a, a reminder, there is a, uh, there's a new Arsenal social media out there. It is, uh, it's off to a great start. There's about, there's, there's a few hundred people there and it's growing every day without real, just organically without really a lot of people talking about it. ArsenalFC.social is a Mastodon server that is exclusively dedicated to Arsenal. Think about Arsenal Twitter, but on a small, curated, um, kind of a, a less toxic, it's not negative or positive or anti or pro this, that, or the other thing. It's just respectful and not a place to just find arguments. Um, it's got some advantages to Twitter as far as the logistics are concerned, posting, editing, uh, all of that stuff. And it's, uh, it's just, it's a, it's a pretty cool place. So, you know, whether you've joined Mastodon already or, or you haven't just type in arsenalfc.social in your browser, it'll take you right to, uh, to the server and, and, uh, and give us a follow. It's, uh, it's a nice place. I'm really starting to enjoy it there a lot more than Twitter. And I think a lot more people will start doing that as well. So arsenalfc.social you guys get your asses in there too is, is tom on there I'm, i I'm, i don't think i'm allowed in there tom is not on there yet because <laughs> I that you would be there so uh so yeah now get uh it's it's a good place and 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 honestly and, I, and this is one of the nice things about a smallish community at first it's easier to have your voice heard you're not gonna you know, the, the people with with bigger followings there and with with you know with with interesting dialogue and and engagement with people aren't just limited to people who have accumulated a hundred thousand followers over the last 15 years because it's brand new so uh so get be an early adopter get over there enjoy it help it grow and uh you know we'll see what happens so um anything else ladies and gentlemen no thank you way out one word from what you've seen who do you have winning the world cup france I think France will beat, beat Brazil in the final. Brazil. Yeah, it's, it, it's Brazil. Unless Argentina can get past the Netherlands, and I think Argentina specifically can beat Brazil, but they're the only team. And it's a weird matchup thing. Wait, one question you know from why, that You know why France is going to win the World Cup? Why? Giroud? <laughs> If he if Giroud scores, okay, I'll give you this. What do you, what do you want? If Giroud scores the winner, what do you want? I'll do it We're, because I don't think it's going to happen. If Giroud scores in the World Cup final, um, we, we can shake on it right here. Um, you have to shake get, my head. You have to get Giroud tattooed uh, on your forehead. Tattoo is coming. Nah, 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 nah. Uh, I don't um, know about that one, you know. You uh, all right? We'll talk about it, and then we'll we'll, we'll figure it out, and we'll, we'll see that with it. But speaking of Giroud, last question for everybody: Who's the uh, player of the tournament for you so far? You have to Mbappe. do a podcast shirtless. Oh, Mbappe without question. Yeah, that, that Mbappe. Even, that <laughs> Mbappe. Yeah, I I think that he's the reason why France wins. He's just un, like he's unplayable. I think, I, and I said this is a joke earlier today. The, I, I truly think there's only one defender who has the balls to go up against Mbappe, and he is on the French national team, and he's our defender in Saliba. I think he's the only one because we saw it when he played PSG, being like, "Fuck this guy," you know. And I, uh, the I, I think the, the, and they do like youth soccer, youth. Uh, well, I call it youth soccer because that's what I've watched. Um, 
and they start like lending players to the other team. That's the only way that, that Mbappe gets stopped is if they yeah. lend because they're not using Saliba, so they'll lend him to, to Brazil and he'll uh I could see England out. tactically lining up where Sokka plays on the right and has a more defensive role to help cover that. I think that's the only way England can beat them is if they revert Sokka to be a right winger and he's that extra cover with Kyle Walker. Otherwise, England get destroyed by Mbappe solo. If you could sell Sokka for, for 90 million pounds and buy Mbappe for 200, would you do it? Yes. 100%. No. And I love Sokka. I don't know if I I, I I agree. Like my my brain, just so you know, the correct answer is yes. But I don't know if I have the heart. I, I don't know. Plus 110 million for for Mbappe. Uh, my that would kill my son. Like Sokka to him is like his like hero. Like literally, yeah. my kid will just watch you're, you're doing YouTube videos of the kid soccer from like being a youth to now. Like fucking loves him. Well, like every Arsenal kid, thirty goal like, for Arsenal in his first year, he'll come around on him. Jake was so yeah, excited. but even still, I'm like, like so, so check this out. Quick story. So we're going to obviously we're at Disney for Christmas, and so uh, we go to my we go to the boys like, hey, Santa's going to be able to bring you one present because my family's flying over from England. So all the kids are like, well, I want a football kit. So I say to Oliver, I go, hey, you can pick any football kit in the world except for Tottenham. So he's like, Dad, I really want a Crystal Palace, and I'm like, any kit in the world, you're going with Crystal Palace? Yep. So he's like, can I get Sokka on the back of it? And I'm like, no, no, we can't, we can't do that. So does he like the kit or does he like the team a little bit? Like, like he likes the he likes playing them on FIFA because they have an eagle in their crest. So if it's not Arsenal, it's either Crystal Palace or Wolves because of the, if Crystal, the animal. If Crystal Palace had this in their crest, I would become a huge fan of them. But that's. Uh... My quick question: Speaking of Crystal Palace, would you take? Uh, would you sell Saka for ninety million and buy Wilfred Zaha for two hundred? Two hundred thousand, yeah. <laughs> That's about what he's worth to me. Uh, the links will never cease. I think. I think he will literally be like retired in an old person's home, getting linked to Arsenal. I'd rather. I'd rather pay two hundred million for this guy. <laughs> all right Saka and this for uh for Mbappe Jesus you have no idea what that apple juice is worth <laughs> by the way when I'm done losing right, weight, this is what I'm gonna look like it's been a great show everyone. it's been a great show hey put put up that thing again where our views don't <laughs> all right People, this has been the Gooners Podcast. We're going to try to do this more, which we say at the end of every podcast. But, uh, you know, at least we're, uh, you know, we, we got it done. We had we had 83% of our podcasters here tonight at some point in time. And, uh, look, we'll see you soon. Give to GoonersVCancer.com. Follow Owen on his new regular podcasting gig, uh, talking about something he should have no business talking about, almost as much as me, talking about fitness. Uh, on, on Tom Canton's show. Watch Jared's new podcast. I've got nothing to do until I go back to Florida.com. Um, Andy, uh, where his son, at his recommendation, does things that he's not supposed to do. And uh, 
and and yeah, keep the program. Oh, and watch out for Magic Mike shows you the money episode two part two because that one is going to be amazing. So we'll see you guys later, and come on, you. Watching the Gooners Podcast, a production of TGP Media, wholly on subsidiary of Wanker Broadcasting Company Limited PLC. All rights and likenesses, except for Owens, are available for purchase and distribution according to the historical tenets of bird law. <laughs> Make sure to check out the Gooners Podcast at Patreon at patreon.com forward slash TGP. Find Gooners V Cancer at GoonersVCancer.com. And don't forget, Get them credit cards out. The Gooners Podcast has been brought to you thanks to a generous investment from Elon Musk, as well as the letter G and the number 69. Remember, Gooner family, that taught and get better everywhere they go. TGP out. <laughs>